0: Welcome to Two Girls in a Grape, where we attempt to learn about wine one bottle at a time. I'm Drea, and I can't believe I ever did a dry January.
1: Honestly, I'm, yeah.
0: Shock and awe. Good job. Shock and awe.
1: But amazing. Amazing job. It was fine. It was a one-time thing. It really was. (laughs) I've never even said I was going to do it, attempted to do it, had any interest in doing it, and still didn't. Well, you know. I can say I I can say I've lived. Yeah, we had people yesterday be like, "Are you guys doing dry January?" I feel like it's a fucking trend to ask if people are doing it. I'm like, I just assume people are not doing it. That's my like the way. <laughs> that's the way my brain you're, operates. You're
0: like that's how my friend circle works. I just think that's that how that's I what choose it is. my allegiances.
1: <laughs> and I feel like my face. I didn't even have to say like yes or no. My face. They were like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sorry." And I'm like, "What what kind of fucking stupid question is that?" But if you're doing dry January, good for you. Kudos. Just don't ask me if I'm doing it because this this, this is just a stupid question. Oh, by the way, I'm Jules. (laughs) There we go. Took
0: took a little while to get there, but we're on the up and up now.
1: (laughs) And I have a new love in my life. His name is Axel Rose. He's a little foster pup that we are taking care of until we can find him a new family. And he's just the best.
0: He very cute. He's very, very cute. And he's very into the Syrah that we're drinking today. So, um, he may make an appearance on the Instagrams. <laughs> so, you know, keep your eyes peeled. So, what better way to kick off 2024 for two girls and a grape than with a celebration? And this episode, we're sampling a French Syrah in honor of International Syrah Day. Who knew it was a thing? I mean, every day is a thing. There's literally it's like there's a popcorn something for day, day. A yeah. goldfish day. That's true. There's like 18 different dog days. So we're not... We're not making this shit up. It's like a real thing. Yeah. 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 True. Okay. All right. But before we get into all that good stuff, let's start with our recurring segment. Cheers and jeers. So jeers. Cheers. Uh, cheers. Jules. Also che- <laughs> <well>. Freudian sl <slip. laughs> um, what are you uh cheersing and cheersing to?
1: <laughs> I'm cheersing to foster pups like Axel Rose. Yay. I am cheersing to rescue organizations that um, do that work and find these dogs and rescue these dogs and then work their butts off to like find foster families and adopted families. So I'm just cheersing to that. It's a good story. I like it. Yeah.
0: And what are you jeersing to, or dare I ask? Uh,
1: there's a lot that I could jeers to right now, but I'm going to stick to wine.
0: I'm Man, jeersing... if even wine is on her shit list, you know things have gotten real up in here. Well,
1: I'm jeersing myself, kind of, on this one. So
0: I'm Sorry, gonna... let me pick my mouth up off I'm the floor.
1: <laughs> to not diversifying my wine fridge. So I currently find myself in a situation where it's sort of like only the good stuff is in the wine fridge, and I. That's because like you I'm, bought
0: like six cases of the good stuff recently.
1: But it was on really good sale. But I still, <laughs> but then I still consider that the good stuff.
0: You know uh-huh. what I mean?
1: Like even though price wise it could be like a Tuesday wine, like I want to save it. So I find myself just in sort of like the. I have like a Trader Joe's rosé, like that organic rosé that I like, Mm -hmm.
0: but then I have like really good rosés.
1: I need to start figuring out what my in-between wines are.
0: Oh, I've given up on that. I'm just like, you know what? Life's too short. Yeah, I'm going to open up this ball. What? It's Wednesday? Fucking great. Cheers to me. (laughs) I had a week, so I'm over it. (laughs) And it's Monday.
1: (laughs) no, it's Sunday. No, when you are having a week and you're over it, it's oh, Monday, yeah, know, right? <laughs> 100. It's
0: Monday at 10 a.m. Yeah. Like tomorrow, I have a, a Monday, I have a 10 a.m. meeting with my boss, and it's that week is done. It's done after it's that. It's not going to be good. It's, it's, I'm going to start drinking immediately. True.
1: What are you cheersing to?
0: Um. So I am cheersing to new wine racks. As we all know, I have a bit of a storage problem. I have wine literally everywhere. 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 Our
1: house is literally built of wine. <laughs>
0: and I, did, so growing up as a kid at not when I would go to Knott's Berry Farm, they had this like in their old west like land or fucking whatever, they had a bottle house. Mm-hmm. It was a house made entirely of glass you bottles. They're like wine balls, and yeah. I was like, who? How would little baby six-year-old Drea have known that that would have been her future?
1: What? Yes. Now she finds herself in that dystopian future. Poor
0: Andy and Rose. Um, but I just got an amazing hundred-plus restaurant-style wine rack on offer. Up, they're super cheap, and I am so excited to give some of my babies a new glorious home. Yeah,
1: and just have it be organized.
0: Well, which brings me to my jeers. Oh. Having to move all the wine and actually organize it.
1: Oh, I love doing that. That part.
0: <laughs> oh, do not think for a minute. Also, that you, Lauren and I have options yeah, to come in. That help you, me, do and that, Lauren so. are not having a wine rack party. Yeah, i
1: am into it. Like I'm like, and it's also it's very helpful to have someone else there to be to slap me. No, just to to help say okay, this is this, and then you're like, all right, we're gonna put it over here. To slap me. and Lauren's very good at spreadsheets. Shout out to Lauren. She's a very good
0: organizer. Yes, and she did give me a sticker trick, which I am trying. Uh Yeah. So there you have it, everyone. The first cheers and jeers for 2024 coming in hot. Coming in hot.
1: We are here for Schweinigan.
0: Oh, we got some new music in 2024 happening. Look at us go. I mean, Uh, it's called Schweinigan. It is called Schweinigan. We might as well. Uh, And for this episode of Schweinigan, since the world celebrates International Syrah Day or World Syrah Day every year on February 16th, we are honoring the day and the glorious grape itself by putting our knowledge of Syrah to the test. Oh, shit. There's another <laughs> opportunity for Jules to fail Didn't you just say you wanted to get better, like, reading yes. menus and your wine knowledge and shit? Yes. I, I look at, look, we're growing, we're yes. learning, challenging ourselves. Fine. We're being fools. Okay. So, this quiz comes to us from Wine Spectator, and it is Syrah Around the World. Okay, let's hit it. All right, so... Uh, this is how we're going to do this. We have both opened up the quiz on our own individual computers. I think it's 12 questions. We will read the question and the answer options, and we're each going to take it and kind of see where we land. Okay. All right, so I'll go ahead and start. Question one, which appellation, oh, this is going to be hard, <laughs> is known for growing world-class Syrah.
1: So, clarification. Which appellation is known for growing world-class Syrah?
0: So, A, Hermitage in France's northern Rome Valley. B, Paso Robles in California. C, the Barossa Valley in Australia. D, all of the above. I feel like this is a trick question.
1: Maybe it's a trick question. Well, because in Australia, isn't it called Shiraz? Oh, so you think so they're, the Syrah, they're, they're fucking they like, with
0: us? But it's the same grape.
1: Right. But they call it Shiraz, so I'm, like, wondering. Shiraz? If like Shiraz. Shiraz. Okay, I'm going to, are we saying what we're?
0: Yeah. Well, okay. So,
1: okay. I'm going to do uh, all of the above. Me too.
0: Okay. Oh, you're right. Shit. Look at I this was scary. like,
1: they're trying to trick us. I was like, mm. okay. Next. Which of the following styles is not made from Syrah? Fortified wine, sparkling wine, ice wine. All of these are made from Syrah. Shit. Um, Ice wine? I'm going to go with ice wine. Oh, Oh, no. no.
0: (laughs) It was all of the above. It was all of them. Huh. Okay. All right. Fine. Next. Next. Okay, Syrah goes by more than one name. We know that. Chileans bottle the wine as Syrah, Sarah, Cerveza, Chorizo. Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Well, we know it's not. There's two that it's not.
0: Um, I think it's Sarah. I would
1: say that, too, but I feel like that must be a trick question. Yep. (gasps) It's Syrah. I was like, Uh, I don't think uh. I've ever heard of Sarah, but I don't know a lot about Chilean wine. Well, clearly we we have to add add that to our list. list. (laughs) Okay. All right. Next. What is the likely explanation for the Australian rendering of Syrah as Shiraz? Actually, Syrah is a French bastardization of Shiraz, which was named for the Persian city. The European Union designated Syrah a protected grape word and forbade use of the name outside of France. That sounds about right. The Australian alphabet does not have the letter Y. What? Or the viticultural pioneer who brought the grape to Australia knew it as Cyrus or Siras, and the Australian dialect took it from there.
0: Uh, I'm going to say, oh man, it's between A or D for me. The Persian city, because it's, it's thought that. I the, think it is A. Or D, I actually think it may be D, the dialect. Okay. Well, we can we can have different ones. Okay, Okay. I'm gonna go A.
1: I'm
0: gonna go D. Damn it! It was D. It was D, everyone. Of course. (laughs) Damn it. Okay. Next, it was once thought that Syrah originated around the Persian, now Iranian, city of Shiraz, but recent research indicates that the grape is actually indigenous to where? A. Southeastern France. B, the area around ancient Greek city of Syracuse. C, the county of Surrey in England. Um, I'm just like, that one confuses me. And D, near the mouth of the Danube in what is now Romania. I think it's B. I'm gonna say A, because I know it's a cross between two grapes, like a natural cross. All right. Let's do this. Ugh. It was A,
1: everybody. It was A. Next. Southern France. Okay. Syrah, a fairly resilient grape, thrives in what sort of conditions? Hot and arid in loam and sand soils, damp with heavy development of botrytis, botrytis, a slightly cool and windy in schist or
0: granite, both A and C. Uh, I'm going to say A and C.
1: That's what I would say, but...
0: Because there are cold climate Syrahs, that so they're good.
1: Yeah, and I feel like it's not really
0: damp in the areas that Syrah is. It's not, like, damp like our January no. was? What? Okay.
1: Yay! Yeah, right. we
0: got right. Sweet. Next. In California, Syrah excels in which appellation? A, the Edna Valley. B, the Sierra... Edna Valley F- is... Oregon or Washington? California, in the valley. Oh. Is like northern. Yeah, like northern. Oh, okay. Uh, B, Sierra Foothills. C, Napa. D, all of the above. Okay, now this I think is a bullshit question.
1: And Nevada is San Luis Obispo County.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. Um, What? Oh, I guess the apple... All right, well, whatever. Um,
1: I was like, because Napa Valley wouldn't be on there if it was in that area.
0: Um, mm. So, San Luis Obispo is where Paso Robles is. Like, that's the area, and they are known for their Syrahs and GSMs. But they also grow Syrah in Napa and the Sierras, but I don't think it's as prolific... So, I'm going to go with A. It excels in which appellation? My answer is A, in a valley. I'll go with D. Ooh. Yeah. It was D. It was D. Yeah. Okay. Well, fuck my drag. Okay.
1: Well, you're still winning. (laughs) Am I? Yes. I've gotten more wrong. It is common in the northern Rhone appellation of Cote Routy, as well as throughout Australia, to co-ferment Syrah with small amounts of which white grape variety? Viognier, Chardonnay... Riesling or Zinfandel? Shit. I want to say Viognier. I'm going to say, I was going to say Viognier or Chardonnay because of the because it's French. Riesling is German. Riesling and is Zinfandel German. Zinfandel is not French. No. I, I think Viognier. <gasps> okay. I'll go with that too.
0: Yes. Yay! <laughs> okay. All Next. right. What is the relationship of the grape Syrah to Petit Syrah? A. They are the same grape. B. Syrah is a parent of Petite Syrah. <laughs> C. Petite Syrah is an albino mutation of Syrah. D. They are frenemies. I'm gonna go with D. They're frenemies. Yeah, because just, there's no, funny. there's also no relationship between them. They're right. two different
1: grapes. Wrong.
0: L. Oh. Syrah it's, is a
1: parent of Petite. Syrah. Wait, what? <sighs> We apparently need to do a lot more academic study this you year. You know,
0: someone lied to me. And not just someone, like multiples have lied about the relationship to... Syrah is a parent of Petit Syrah. A parent. Wait, so is Petit Syrah across? We So, full disclosure, on the podcast, we don't drink Petit Syrah because it makes Jules insane. Jules gets uh, has a little bit of an allergy to Petite Syrah. She puffs up. All right.
1: Next, the lush Syrahs of central Italy infrequently are allowed to carry the DOC appellations. Instead, they are counted in what colloquial, colloquial category? Mountain wine, Super Tuscan, Basta fiasco, or Brunello di Montalcino? Ooh.
0: You've had a lot more telling ones than mm. I have. Boston I'm yes.
1: gonna go with. Uh,
0: Super, Super Tuscan. Tuscan? Yeah. yeah. Oh! Yay! All right. Next. Okay. Among the most sought after and single vineyard Syrahs in the world are a Cote Roté trio released by E. Guigal? Guigal? that collectively go by this lyrical nickname. What the fuck? The Do-Re-Mi wines, the La-La wines, mm -mm -mm, mm-mm-mm, Zigga-Zigga. I don't even know what this
1: means. (laughs) I'm going to go Do-Re-Mi. Yeah,
0: I mean, I'm like trying to think phonetically and like
1: linguistically. Zigga-Zigga-Ah. I, say ah. I say, ah. All right. It's Just, probably, mm, mm, mm.
0: But, but I'm uh, going do-re-me. Do-re-me. Nope. Nope. Mala. It was not the one we were like, can't be that. It wasn't that. <laughs> it couldn't possibly be that. Okay, our final question
1: <laughs> oh, is, Oh, man. According to the Barossa Old Vine Charter, what age <laughs> must a Shiraz vine reach to achieve ancestor vine status? 25 years, 60 years, 85 years, or 125 years? I'm going to hey, go. So
0: if it's Shiraz so in, Australia. in Australia, mm-hmm.
1: how long have they been producing wine? Not as long as Europe. Not as long as Europe. So it's not 125 years, I don't think. No, I'm going to say. 85 or 60. 60. I'm going to go 85. Wrong.
0: We were both wrong. I know. It was 125. 125 years. Jesus. Wow. Rimini. Apparently, we need to study wow. just regular world history, okay. too. I scored a 42%. Um. I scored a 50%. <laughs> you know what? Cheers to that. Fuck yeah. Cheers to us. <laughs> so, everyone, listen.
1: Maybe you shouldn't be listening to us. No! <laughs>
0: You know, the whole point of this podcast is, is that we're learn. learning together. That we're this learning is a together. safe space to learn and to explore. The more you know, make mistakes and grow. There you have it. Well. We fucking fucked that up. Yeah, well, fail. Not,
1: not the first time. That's a fail. That's a straight up fail. That's not even a D. Not going to be the last either. Ds get degrees. We did not get a degree in Syrah. <laughs>
0: well,
1: all right, everyone. There you go. There's your show, Winigans. <laughs> Kicking us off on the <laughs> wrong foot this year. Okay. There we are. <laughs> Bottle number 71 on Two Girls and a Grape is the Le Piliers Syrah. Sure. You might pronounce it less Piliers, Piliers Syrah. <laughs> but it's French. It's from the... Costières de Nîmes in France. The price point of this wine is under twenty bucks. ABV is fourteen percent, and it's a classic French Syrah from the Southern Rhone region.
0: Sounds delightful. Um, and this may be a good bottle. We were talking in the non-vintage episode recently about you diversifying your wine cellar, so yes. this may be a good like lower price point wine to open on a Tuesday or whatever. I need to start going to Total Wine a little bit more. Oh, yes. Delightful. It's such it's a full afternoon, everyone. Is but it a full afternoon? I did mean, you spent all afternoon there? No, I, I, didn't think I so. literally <laughs> drove there, got Just this, to this got wine, this I bottle. I had a mild p- panic attack cuz I couldn't find it. Oh. And then it was like in one of the bins like I and I'm short so I couldn't see over the top of the bin. Um, But it was there. It was fine. And then I immediately came home to watch football. But anyway, so um, we, again, are featuring a Syrah. And Syrahs tend to be rich, powerful, sometimes almost meaty red wines that, while today are produced throughout the world, originated in the Rhone Valley of France, which is why we wanted to really pick a classic Syrah in that sense. Um, We did feature an American Syrah in our case Syrah Syrah episode last season. So today... We're going to focus on the French roots of the varietal, and if you want to learn more about Syrah, you can definitely check out that episode, um, which is still wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's talk a little bit about the grape itself. There are about 470,000 acres of Syrah grapes planted in the world, and Syrah is considered the fifth most planted wine grape.
1: Oh, I didn't know that.
0: I know, right? And it grows in 31 countries which is That's was actually really, yeah very surprising to me um the top five producers of syrah are of course france it's homeland australia spain which was really surprising that that came in third south africa Have you ever
1: had a spanish syrah? yes okay yeah
0: they are good um spain south africa and then the united states oh, okay um france produces a total of 140 Fifty-eight one hundred forty-seven hundred 147 acres of syrah making it the country with the most extensive planning of the grapes so that's like over
1: it accounts for like over 25 percent yes yeah of so the grapes and then and then you have the other 30 four. 30 other countries 30 oh yeah
0: producing are producing the, the other yeah
1: yeah that's pretty amazing
0: so, Syrah has a long documented history in the Rhone region of southeastern France, but it's not completely known if it originated in that region. I think as we covered in the Case Syrah Syrah episode, there's lots of sort of theories of where Syrah came from. Um, the wines that made Syrah famous, though, were those from Hermitage, which is the hill above the town, Tenla le hermitage in, I probably totally butchered that, in the northern Rhone. Where um a It's okay, we all know that you're not the language person. It's true. But where, Fran, fr- fran- France. French,
1: France. French? French Where French French is a tough one. Yeah. Thank you. It doesn't go with like Italian, Spanish, Portuguese. No. It'd be like if there was yeah, it I struggle with French. Wait till we do a Chinese. I struggle with French French. Wait till we do a Chinese
0: <laughs> one. No oh, Lord, that's <laughs> definitely not. Anyway, so the definitely. Northern Rhone, um, where Uh, Hermitage or chapel That's what the word means Was built on the top Um, And it's where De Strumsburg was supposed to have Settled as a hermit after his Crusades so that's where The chapel and the town gets its name From. Um, Hermitage wines Have for centuries had a Reputation of being both powerful And excellent Powerful. Powerful Powerful. Well, the region was quite famous in the 18th and 19th centuries and attracted attracted interest from ongoing foreign um, enophiles. Yes, which are, do <laughs> you know? I like that she was just like she's gonna fuck this. She's up. gonna. She's, she's. I could see her being like, oh, oh god. god, how do I say this again? Enology, enophiles, uh, who are um, essentially like very what's the word I'm looking for? Robust wine enthusiasts. Yes. Yeah. So, um, they're all they're like wine experts, too, right? Yeah, such as someone little known well, I guess not little known but uh, Bordeaux enthusiast Thomas Jefferson. Oh, was right? he racist? Yes, he yeah. was very racist, so. but he was also <laughs> a huge proponent of wines. Um, and brought kind of French like the culture of French wines to the United States during his presidency he also owned a vineyard and there's a whole like case about Jefferson's wines in a book called the billionaire's vinegar about fraud in the the high-end wine auction um world and it's fucking fascinating so sorry okay. I digress but anyways as um, she always does as I always do but after, so like after the 19th century though it lost ground and foreign attention um a lot of that had to do with phylloxera obviously a lot of that had to do with prohibition in the united states and so just like we've talked about previously on the podcast those two things in concert sort of see a downtrend in a lot of the wine across the world especially that which was being made for export um in the 18th and first half of the 19th centuries most hermitage wines also that left france did so as a blending component in bordeaux wine so in this was an era where clarets were really um popular and much and less powerful than they are today so today like claret is you know a, a wine blend that you can get and they are fun they're easy drinking but they're, during this time, they're really kind of like the table wine of the day. And again, this is before like appellation rules, regulations, all of that sort of thing. So for a long time, Syrah wine was used just as a blend for these things. All right. But before we get into a little more about the region where this wine comes from and the bottle itself, how about we get some fun facts with Jules?
1: Fun facts. Facts about Syrah. It is called Syrah in most of the world, but the name Shiraz became the typical name for this grape in Australia. Hence some of our confusion, I think, on our Shawinigans
0: quiz. Oh yeah, that's the reason we failed that quiz. Totally. Totally.
1: <laughs> um DNA profiling confirmed that this grape originated along the Rhone in France. From the 1980s to about the mid 2000s, Syrah increased, implanted in hectares from approximately 10,000 hectares to over 450,000 hectares. So that's like a massive increase in the span of 20 years. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, Syrah makes some of the darkest red wine in the world. Interesting to note when we get to our tasting portion. And Syrah has extremely tough skin prompting winemakers to soak the grapes in cold water for days or even weeks at a time cold soak
0: the cold soak yeah to like loosen. ice ba- it's like an ice bath yeah to like loosen every up every the it's a
1: trend right the ice bath is a trend everyone um, everyone's no. doing the cold
0: plunge yeah i was like syrah so the grapes syrah do grapes do are a, doing the cold, the cold plunge Look they started the trend oh uh, their mental health speaking is of trends, so, so robust
1: speaking of tiktok trends
0: <laughs> the syrah grapes started the cold plunge
1: Andrea tell us more about um, the region of Syrah
0: so Syrah is as it is known in France is grown throughout the Rome Valley and these wines are made um, from the wines that are made from this area vary greatly even over small slight changes in the location of the vines so the differences of the soil quality um, and the climate changes in the slope of the terrain and tends produ- to produce different styles of Syrah, ranging from mineral and tannic to f- fruity and perfumed. And I always think of Syrah as probably because I've, I've mostly had California ones, as these very kind of bold, mm-hmm. robust tannic. And so to think about them as more mineral or fruit forward or even floral forward was really interesting to, to read about. In 1968, there existed only 2,700 hectares or 6,700 acres of Syrah vineyards in France. Um, and again, these were primarily in the traditional Appalachians of the Northern Rhone, and, which at that time had not received much attention in the wine world for several decades. And many of the vineyards weren't even planted to full capacity because growers couldn't sell the grapes. There just wasn't an interest in them. After the wines of the Northern Rhone, however, were rediscovered by wine writers in the 1970s, plantings expanded considerably. Um, This takes off even more in the 90s when influential wine writer Robert M. Parker Jr. awarded high scores, including the perfect score of 100 points to wines of some of Rhone's producers of Syrah. In 1988, total French planting stood at around 27,000 hectares or 67,000 acres. By 1999, a viticultural survey found over 125,000 acres, and they have just continued to grow until today, where now France has the world's largest production of Syrah. Now, in particular, we're looking at the appellation of um the Costes de Nîmes. Nîmes? Nîmes? The Secret of Nîmes? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is a key appellation of origin. Um... Or the or, uh, control A or AOC as they're called. So that's like the domain of origin um, that we've talked about before, that's particular to France for wines that are produced in the area between the ancient city of Nimes and the Western Rome Delta. Wines from this region have been produced for over 2,000 years and were consumed by the Greeks in pre Roman times, making it one of the oldest vineyard areas in all of Europe. The area was settled by veterans of Julius Caesar's campaigns in Egypt and bottles of wine um, found in this area bear the symbol of the Roman settlement of Nimes, a crocodile chained to a palm tree, which I thought was pretty cool. Uh, The soil in this area, it tends to be a mixture of pebbles, sand and red shale. And the climate is Mediterranean, similar to that of the Rome Valley but is characterized by its proximity to the coast and the sea breezes, which makes it an ideal climate for those, again, kind of more robust temperatures during the day, cooler temperatures in the nights and early mornings.
1: We should have taken our quiz after we...
0: Oh, what fun would that have been? (laughs) True. True.
1: (laughs) It wouldn't have been fun at all.
0: (laughs) So this particular bottle that we're drinking... Comes from Domaine Garcia. Um, and the, uh, the, so Garcia focuses on making terroir driven wines that uh, are kind of rooted in the history and tradition of winemaking in the area. It is headed by winemaker Michel Garcia and his wife Tina. And they have cr- quickly become a prolific force in the area, but not at the sacrifice of quality. On his philosophy of winemaking, um, Garcia says, I, quote, I see myself as a peasant researcher, which is now what I'm just going to call myself. I'm a peasant researcher. You're a peasant researcher. <laughs> the peasant side. But is... I'm sure that
1: uh, our friend Michelle doesn't have a peasant's salary or bank account.
0: Oh, yeah. No, probably you not. Know, there's that. The, the He says, the peasant side is in my genes a family trait. I am deeply attached to this land where I grew up as far back as I can remember working in the vineyards is a real pleasure for me. I am convinced that the less we intervene, the more the terroir can express itself by observing, listening, respecting the land and its vineyards. And by being patient, letting it have the time it needs, the terroir will give its very best for us and future generations. So like many of the wines that we've featured over the last two seasons here on Two Girls and a Grape, um, I think that they're very invested in kind of taking the best of what the land yields and really working in with the land in kind of a symbiotic relationship um, to produce not only the best wines, but to protect the integrity of the vineyards. So. Excuse me, they're very concerned with the health and longevity of the vineyards. They pay special attention to biodiversity in the vineyard and think of winemaking as, quote, a partnership with nature. In addition, one of the things I read about um, them that I found really interesting is they're always looking for ways to merge modern scientific understandings of climate change with ancestral techniques to help produce wine of character while still, again, preserving that integrity of the land. So, well, look
1: at us following one of our trends from our
0: last. I episode. know we're killing it we we already. So on crushing untrained. it like great, <laughs> like not that quiz. Um, so this includes <laughs> a process known as uh, Masale selection, which entails taking grafts of very old vines that um, have been in production for over eighty years and, and have suffered from all sorts sorts of aggressions uh, and. Oh like us, <laughs> we're 80 years. are gonna be like, all right, let's just graft. Suffered pieces. through some regressions, <laughs> and so they graft them with newer rootstocks. And this choice, though more expensive and less productive, is and not certainly not without risk. Does if it works, deliver high quality wines while improving vine re- resilience to changing conditions. They are convinced that their efforts have a very positive impact on the longevity of the vines. And therefore, their capacity to continue to create great wines. So, be the judge of that. We're about to see. Now comes Jules' favorite part. The judging. (laughs) Oh, please. (laughs) She sits there like she
1: doesn't judge. All right. We're ready to get into this? Let's get into it.
0: Okay, so let's go ahead and kick off our tasting discussion, as we always do, with checking out what's in our glass. And we have these... Big- let's get <laughs> sauced! <laughs> and we've got these beautiful, <laughs> bulbous glasses that apparently Jewel should have a sippy cup, so we'll work on that for <laughs> next episode. All right. Um, what's what's in your glass? Um, So,
1: full disclosure, Dre and I... Poured our wine. Well, we opened the bottle um a while ago, and then we, you know, poured it and made a couple of notes, and we both um started writing the same note in our Google Doc. And so it's inky, inky. Inky, inky. Inky, inky. <laughs> red. Uh, but then I said it actually looks like the inky red, inky, inky red, but like the red that cranberry sauce is when you use like fresh fruit to make cranberry sauce versus like... The kind of neon color that, like ocean spray cranberry sauce, looks like. Well, you know, when it
0: comes out of a candle Yeah. Floop.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like it has this like really beautiful like deep like ruby
0: cranberry cranberry. Yeah, yeah. but it's it is really... solidly opaque. Like it's yes. it's a. I mean, you can tell it's a fourteen percent ABV on this. We're not we're not low ABV for this Mm-mm. one. You're not seeing through this wine? Nope. No. I can't even see my fingers. Okay. Can you see your toes? That's a whole other situation. <laughs> All right. So, um, let's take a whiff, see what's in the glass. Okay. Oh, you know what's interesting? Is it different from your it's first It's a one? little different from the first So, one. I'm getting really robust red fruits.
1: I and initially got... Like plums. Like
0: I had like red, like stone fruit. Oh, initially, I'm getting more like cherry, currant, blackberry. But I also am getting some floral notes. You know, I was getting those like tobacco now. which Yeah, I on the back initially. end. For, kind of um an almost like sage, like sagebrush too. Mm, yeah, just yeah. like something a little more like earthy. Maybe even, like, a little hint of dark chocolate on there with that tobacco. But, yeah, it's definitely opened up. So, this is a bottle, just from our experience, too, since we opened it um, when we started here, that you may want to open up and kind of let just, like, hang out for a half hour.
1: And even maybe pour your glasses out. Yeah. Or decant it. Yeah. You could decant it or aerate it if
0: you want to use an aerator. That's true. I'm always, you know, patience is a virtue. Just decant it.
1: But if you need to get into your fucking wine, as sometimes you do because your Monday sucked, aerate it.
0: Start with a rosé. <laughs> what if you
1: don't have one in the fridge cold? Oh, then
0: you know what? I don't know what you're doing here. Listen, not everybody's a
1: professional. I have caught myself out once in a while being like, how do I not have something ready
0: to go? So That's embarrassing for you. All Just right. let right, Let's take a hit. Okay, so the first thing I noticed, as someone who spends a lot of time in Paso Robles, is this is not a California Syrah. This is not as heavy. Mm-mm. It's definitely more on the medium, like, higher end of medium body, but there's still, like, a lightness to it, and it yeah. doesn't feel, like, overbearing. And so, right away, I'm going to say, if you've got people who are like, oh, I don't like Syrahs, they're so blah, blah, blah. Like, they're, like,
1: like Honestly, just sometimes the Syrah feels heavy. Yeah,
0: no, it, it can't feel yeah. heavy. And usually the ABVs are like closer to 15, to 15 yeah. or 15 and a half. So this is, I think, a great wine for kind of um, late winter, like February, and then even early spring into March. That's that's going to be a crowd pleaser. Um, definitely more in alignment with, I think, the French style as well that doesn't have quite... It has a little bit more finesse and less, like, robustness behind it.
1: Well, and, I mean, to your point about, like, it's not, like, people being like, oh, Syrah's, like, that, you know, a heavy hitter. Like, this, you could probably serve this to a larger group of people in terms of it be more
0: palatable to, right. you know, the, the population. Right, and especially at the price point, the too. Population. Yeah. Um, yeah, because so, syrahs can be very cool. well. Yeah, so they can I, get up there. When I was sourcing it, um, you know, there were syrahs like just in bins next to it. So, some from France, some from California. Uh, you know, I saw one that was like sixty-five. I saw another one that was eighty-nine. So they do—they can get very pricey, especially when for these smaller production ones. Um, but yeah. this is, I think, a good, approachable syrah at a very approachable for price point. price point, and. Yeah. Um, the way it goes down taste wise um definitely getting that black currant and like a little bit of raspberry and um for me it was like those green peppercorns or even like a little bit of green pepper too just in general
1: yeah I got cracked black pepper
0: so that almost
1: like the spicy yeah like just that little hint of a spice
0: um, all spice too. A little, little mm. light, like baking spices on the finish, I think too. That would, I mean, honestly, I kind of just want some dark chocolate now, but anyways, yeah. it's, so, all right, speaking of dark chocolate, let's talk pairings. What are you serving up with this bottle?
1: So typically when I think about a Syrah, I would have thought about like a heavier meal because Meats. yeah, like just like, or just like a stew, like something mm. a little heartier. But this I could see actually pairing really well with a risotto, which not that that's not a heavy meal, but I don't necessarily, I wouldn't necessarily need to put like a heavy meat with it. Like right. I would even do like a salmon, like a roasted salmon, salmon with a nice with this, yeah. um, like mushroom risotto would be good with this.
0: Yeah. I was actually thinking, um, chicken, like a coca vin, mm-hmm. you know, keep keeping it French. Yeah. Um, or like- well, I went to Italy. I know. What's
1: the French version
0: of risotto? There's a French version of risotto. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so I would do like you know something though that I think too isn't overly complicated, so that you can kind of enjoy the nuances of this wine. So like you think of a coke for me. I think of a coq vin, and uh, you know, to Dacia's point here, it's like it's all it's a peasant dish, right? That's how coq vin became popular in France because you could put an old fucking rooster and a bunch of vegetables that you grew on your property and there you go that's dinner and so I love the idea of having something um simple but still still special and warming with with a wine like this
1: I think like if you think like just Mediterranean diet too yeah like a grain a vegetable
0: a protein this would be great with like a chickpea based curry Mm -hmm. I think too it could stand up to that for you vegetarians out there I mean, sometimes you know, meatless Mondays are a thing.
1: <laughs> I do meatless Mondays. There you go. I usually make a tomato soup. Right. Mm, this could go with tomato soup. I. Mm, I feel like there's too much acid.
0: Oh. With the tomato, yeah, it might be a little bit too much, but just same. it's never enough. It's never um, enough. All right, so we've got we've got plenty of food options to go with this. Um, but that's a good thing. It's yeah, versatile. No, like, it's it definitely
1: you could serve this with a pizza.
0: Ooh. If you want to do
1: like a guanciale pizza or just a margarita pizza uh, I'm gonna something be, really plain. I'm going to be
0: real ghetto about it. Okay. Barbecue chicken pizza. Okay. Yeah. I'm down to that. <laughs> uh, all right. What's, what is your situation or entertainment that you're pairing with this wine?
1: I feel like this wine is like a quiet wine. Like it's not a party wine to me. Like I could definitely, yeah, I could see that. Do some like, or put on a chill record and like read my book. Nice. After dinner, kind of like have your wine with dinner, but then after dinner, take your glass to your comfy reading nook, and put on some like reading music and like read your book.
0: There we go. Like, I
1: don't think you need to get too crazy because no. sometimes I'm like, oh, I want to like. Party with, like, I want it to be like festive, but this, like, I could totally see just being chill.
0: Mm-hmm. It's an easy drinker for sure.
1: Have a little dog on your lap, a little <laughs> Axel Rose, not on the music. Axel Rose, the you dog. want Axel
0: Rose on your lap? Oh, god, Ugh, this, this no. is no, that's a different podcast. Maybe back entirely. In the 90s, I would have, oh, that. gross, yeah, absolutely, probably, not. probably would have done Oof. that, but yeah. anywho, <laughs> how about you? uh definitely an old movie so i love Mm. old black and white movies from like the 30s to the 50s turner classic films is my jam um probably find some like crazy like archaic french produced bullshit to watch and yeah that's my night okay i love a subtitle (laughs) love a subtitle absolutely adore them. Oh, when
1: Jules is drinking wine, she does not like a subtitle. (laughs) She does
0: not want to have to work that hard. Totally into it. (laughs) All right. So I think this is a good option if you're trying to get into French wines, if you're trying to get into – if you want to drink more Syrah, if, like Jules, you want to diversify your wine collection a little bit so you have some bottles under that $20 price point that you can pull when you – just want a glass or kind of want to chill out a little bit, um, but don't necessarily need to open a heavy hitter. I think it's a great value wine for what you're getting. And we purchased this bottle at our local Total Wine shop. Again, there's a bunch of them. They're all across the United States. I highly recommend, though, checking them out online first. So they have a really great search tool. You can put in your zip code to find the location closest to you. You can search by grape. You can search by region. This makes your selection process much, much easier. Yeah, it's Uh, not as daunting because sometimes you walk into that store and you're just like, oh, God. You're just like, what is all of this? Yeah, Yeah, so
1: this is a way to kind of set yourself up for success like going into it. Yeah, do a little do a little pre-research yeah. before you go. Do a little recon. There you go. On the interwebs. On the interwebs.
0: Uh, and for our next bottle, we are celebrating carnival.
1: Carnival.
0: Like all good Brazilians with jewels. Listen. <laughs> So I'm gonna show up lit.
1: <laughs> it's gonna be a hot mess with feathers oh, poking out bikini. Bra. I'm gonna be in my bikini with my head dress on. Yes,
0: it's gonna be great. <laughs> Featuring special guest Hot Rob. <laughs> so uh, we are celebrating Brazilian Carnival with a Brazilian bubbly that mm-hmm. I happened upon, which I am. The- very, very skeptical. And, and I am curious so about. excited, I can't even stand it. So, this is gonna be a great, possibly two girls in a great classic episode. It could be. <laughs> we'll see. So, until then, uh, follow us on Instagram to see what we're drinking and what sort of shawinigans we're up to when we're not recording. We're at two girls in a great pod. That's T W O, girls in a great pod. Um, make sure you like, follow, subscribe. Give us those five-star reviews wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next time, cheers. Salute.